Welcome to this Pure Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.purevoice.com forward slash ncw. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Moderna TX Incorporated. Welcome to this Pure Voice panel discussion on COVID 19. This activity comprises two presentations featuring Drs. Anil Gupta and Nathan Pfeffer Smadja. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, this is Dr. Anil Gupta. I am a family doctor at the Albion Finch Medical Center in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Welcome to this activity discussing the role of vaccination in preventing the emergence of COVID 19 variants. Joining me in this discussion is my colleague, Dr. Nathan Pfeiffer Smadja, an infectious disease specialist from Universite Paris Cite, Paris, France. During this first presentation, we will discuss the role of vaccine boosters, the guidelines regarding booster administration, and for which individuals they are highly recommended. Let me start the presentation with this map. As of October 30th, 2022, it shows the distribution of at least the first dose of COVID 19 vaccination uptake worldwide. The countries represented in dark green have had at least 80% of their population receive one or more doses of vaccine. However, many countries in Africa and parts of Europe and elsewhere have coverage rates far less than 50%. Overall, approximately 71% of the world's population has received at least one dose. In affluent countries, personal choice is the driving force behind vaccine uptake. Unfortunately, in some of the poorer countries, it is the lack of availability of vaccine. There are 11 different COVID 19 vaccines that have received WHO emergency approval. In the right hand column, One can see the number of countries that have approved that specific vaccine. Amongst the vaccines, there is a different level of efficacy. Nathan, what do we know about the efficacy of the vaccines against the Omicron variant? Okay, so、uh, thank you for this question. So, after November、uh, 2021, The Omicron variant、uh, rapidly replaced、uh, the Delta variant and is now the, the most、uh, predominant form of SARS CoV 2 infection. So, the Omicron variants and、uh, subvariants that we see、uh, are now responsible for most of the infections. So, what we know about、uh, the efficacy of vaccination against Omicron is that well, the primary vaccination. Is、uh, very important in reducing the risk of、uh, severe COVID 19. So, that, that has been shown in multiple studies. But what we no- know、uh, now with new studies is that a fourth dose of uh, vaccination, uh, a booster, is、uh, very effective in reducing、uh, the, the risk of severe、uh, COVID 19, the risk of death, the risk of hospitalization in intensive care. Uh, in multiple countries, in, in different studies.、Uh, so,、uh, we, we now have strong clinical evidence that a fourth dose of COVID 19 vaccination is very effective against、uh, the Omicron variant. So, there are currently two bivalent vaccines authorized for COVID 19 one by Moderna, one by Pfizer. Both have components of the original vaccine and have an Omicron specific component. 
the antibodies generated by these adapted vaccines seem to be able to neutralize Omicron lineages and sublineages, including BA2, 2.75, and BA5, more efficiently than earlier vaccines. Please note these bivalent vaccines should only be used as boosters in individuals that have completed a primary series. They should not be used to complete a primary series. Nathan, can you comment on the efficacy and safety of these vaccines? So yes, so, so as you said, uh, we, we have two uh, bivalent vaccines that are available. Uh, the bivalent vaccines, they both include the original strain of uh, SARS-CoV-2 and uh, the Omicron uh, strain of SARS-CoV-2. And the, the data on these two bivalent vaccines is quite similar. So we have immunological data, uh, neutralizing antibody titers, that show that the bivalent vaccines are as effective than the monovalent vaccines regarding the original strain of SARS-CoV-2. But with both bivalent vaccines, we have higher neutralizing antibody titers uh, with uh, the Omicron variant uh, with bivalent vaccines as compared to monovalent vaccines. So these bivalent vaccines are immunologically at least more effective than the monovalent vaccines. Regarding safety, the, the data is quite similar. What we can say uh, very briefly is that the, the, the safety is really comparable between uh, monovalent and bivalent vaccines. So we see the same adverse events with the same frequency of adverse events, uh, whether we use a monovalent or bivalent vaccines. And between the two bivalent vaccines, the, the safety data is quite uh, comparable. Nathan, thanks for that information. What would be your key messages regarding bivalent boosters? Thank you. So I think I, I would say there, is, there are two key messages. The first is that we have strong clinical evidence that, uh, that boosting with a fourth dose is essential, is uh, very effective in uh, reducing the risk of severe COVID-19 and death. So that's the first. And the second point is that the effectiveness of bivalent vaccine is expected to be at least equivalent, and we have data showing that it should be a bit uh, higher, the efficacy with bivalent vaccines than monovalent vaccines uh, based on immunological data. So now, uh, Nathan, I'll first ask you to uh, discuss what are the current vaccination strategies, you know, as per the WHO? So, Following the data we just discussed, the WHO, they say that we, we should get, uh, people should get a fourth dose, a booster dose, with either the bivalent vaccine if available or a monovalent vaccine if the bivalent vaccine is not available. So, so the difference in North America, uh, as per Health Canada and, and the CDC, is that monovalent vaccines are actually no longer being recommended for, for booster use, and only the bivalent vaccines. Um, there is an age difference. So in Canada, it's over the age of 12. And, and it, you know, as per the CDC, it's over the age of five are, are eligible now for the bivalent boosters. Uh, uh, can you comment on, on European guidelines? Yes, I think European guidelines are quite close to the CDC. Uh, the preferred uh, booster is the bivalent vaccine. 
uh, current monovalent vaccines should always be used for the primary vaccination, as we, we discussed. And according to EU member states, uh, the booster can be, can be done with a monovalent vaccine if bivalent vaccines are not widely available. So I, I know you've discussed this, but um, so just in some more detail in certain populations, if you could discuss uh, vaccine booster usage in Europe. Yes, so, so thank you for this question. So I think in Europe, the strategy is to uh, first uh, do the booster dose in patients who are the most vulnerable against SARS-CoV-2. So the vaccination strategy is now focused on individuals who are at risk of severe COVID-19. So that means uh, older adults, uh, above 60 years old, uh, immunocompromised individuals, uh, patients with uh, chronic uh, medical conditions, uh, pregnant women, that's very important to, to, to do a booster dose in pregnant women because they are at risk of uh, severe COVID-19 and uh, patients who are resident uh, in long-term uh, long care facilities and healthcare workers should get a, a booster dose. So that's the, uh, I would say, the, the main uh, the population that should uh, get uh, vaccinated with a fourth dose in priority. And then the recommendations depends on the EU member states uh, regarding uh, the, the rest of the population. And uh, I'd like to, to ask, uh, do, do uh, similar guidelines uh, apply in Canada and the, the US? Yeah, so in Canada and, and the US, I would say perhaps there is a little bit of difference um, and, and perhaps that is because of vaccine availability. So yes, these are the key groups that, that, that should get a booster, but really any individual, as I mentioned previously, um, over the age of five in the US and over the age of 12 in Canada, it is recommended to get a booster and, and, and these days specifically the bivalent booster and that's irrespective of health or immune status. So for immunocompetent individuals, the primary series for an individual that has not yet been vaccinated, which is a uh, small percentage of the population that does want to be vaccinated. So uh, for immunocompetent individuals, it is two doses uh, would compromise the, uh, or would be the primary series, and one bivalent booster. Um, and, and the interval is as listed uh, on this slide. Now, for immunocompromised individuals, the primary series may be two and maybe three doses, depending on the vaccine that is administered, followed by one bivalent dose. Now, in reality, most individuals have had uh, the primary series, have had had one or two monovalent boosters and are now getting the bivalent boosters since they became available. Again, Nathan, can you comment on the timing and, and booster types in Europe? Yes, yeah, so, so it's very close. Uh, it depends on, on countries in Europe, but for, for example, in France, that will be, uh, will respect an interval of at least three months uh, between the last uh, COVID infection or the last booster and the new bivalent booster. And we focus right now the, the boosting dose uh, on high-risk population. But uh, apart from these uh, differences, it's quite close. Now, now, this is a tough question, but can you comment on the link between vaccination rates and the emergence of variants? 
Yes, so, so thank you, because that's a very, very important question. Uh, so there has been discussions on uh, whether vaccine can uh, encourage uh, or promote the, the development of variants. And in fact, it's, it's the contrary that happens. Uh, and the, the, main, uh, the, the main point that we should keep in mind is the larger the number of infected uh, persons, the higher the, the probability of, vaccine, of variants emergence. So the, the more people get infected, the more the virus circulates, the more we see variants. And as we know, vaccines, they prevent severe COVID-19 with a high efficacy, but they also prevent infection with a lower efficacy, but they do reduce the risk of infection. And by reducing the risk of infection, it reduces the risk of variants emergence. So I think vaccination has, is considered uh, rightly one of the main uh, obstacles uh, to uh, variants uh, emergence and one, one of the most effective ways to prevent the emergence of variants. So if you allow me, I'm going to summarize, Nathan, what you've said today um, is there is clinical evidence that, number one, boosters significantly reduce the risk of severe COVID-19 infection. Number two, they reduce the risk of COVID-19 infection and transmission. Now, as with all medical treatments and vaccinations, there isn't 100% efficacy. Individuals with a booster may still get infected and transmit the virus, but this is not indicative of vaccine failure. Now, number three, at a population level, even a small reduction in infections would be significant. And number four, vaccines can reduce the emergence of new variants. Thank you for watching. Please join us at the next presentation where we will discuss specific strategies to tackle COVID-19 vaccine hesitancy. Hello, uh, this is uh, Nathan Peffers-Madja from uh, Université Paris-Cité in Paris, France. Uh, welcome to this activity discussing steps toward uh, preventing COVID-19 variants. Joining me today in this discussion is my colleague, Dr. Anil Gupta from Albion Finch Medical Center, Toronto, Ontario, in Canada. Uh, so during this presentation, we'll review what more can be done to overcome vaccine hesitancy, and we'll propose practical approaches to promote vaccine uptake and overcome hesitancy in low uptake populations. Um, so although uh, there are still areas uh, that need to be investigated further, we have evidence, uh, as discussed in the previous episode, uh, showing that vaccine boosters offer advantages and prevent uh, severe COVID-19. Uh, however, the obstacle of vaccine hesitancy is still dominant around the world. So it has been seen in, in uh, all the continents. And, uh, we should try to apply uh, effective strategies to overcome uh, vaccine hesitancy. Anil, uh, can you please first explain uh, if we see different types of vaccine hesitancy? Sure. Um, researchers in the University of Calgary in Alberta, Canada, have identified four different types of vaccine hesitancy. Similar categorizations have been developed by the WHO, CDC, and elsewhere. Starting in the left lower quadrant, this is the group that has no concerns about the pandemic. They might argue that only the elderly are affected, or it is not as bad as the annual influenza outbreak, or that there is an approximately 99% survival rate from those that get infected. 
Then in the left upper quadrant, there are those who are hesitant to get specifically the COVID-19 vaccine. Maybe triggered by rumors or conspiracy theory, others may indicate a religious or moral objection. Now, please note that no religious or faith group or ethnic groups have prohibited COVID-19 vaccination. Then in the right upper quadrant, this is the group that is against vaccination altogether. In my opinion, this is a very small group, and it would be the hardest group to convince to get vaccinated against COVID-19. Now, in the last quadrant, this is the group that is often willing to vaccinate themselves, but not their children. Some may be convinced that there is limited benefit to children because of the often mild nature of disease in children. Others are concerned about the long-term safety of the vaccine, amongst other concerns. Okay, so th thank you for this very interesting uh, summary. Um, what, what should we say to, to people who, who uh, do not have concerns about the pandemic, as you, you discussed? In this group, I would often share my experience with those that have contracted COVID-19 in my practice. A number of my patients died, including healthy individuals in their 50s and 60s. Others developed long-haul COVID symptoms and prolonged hospitalizations. I would also comment that over 1 million Americans, roughly one in 300, died from COVID-19. Okay, so th thanks. Uh, do, do we have any studies about vaccine hesitancy in minority uh, ethnicities? In the UK, minority ethnic groups were between two and four times more likely to die from COVID-19 compared to Caucasians. And this is independent of age, sex, or socioeconomic factors. Black individuals older than 80 were only half as likely as their white counterparts to have been vaccinated against COVID-19. A UK survey with over 12,000 participants showed black individuals had the highest rate of vaccine hesitancy at 71.8%, followed by Pakistani and Bangladeshi respondents at 42.3%, and this compares to white respondents that had only a 15.2% hesitancy rate. Now, the reason for this large discrepancy might be related to historic marginalization, safety concerns, or a lack of clear guidance from trusted advisors. So that, that's interesting. And I, I think we've, we've seen the same in, in our hospital. So, so could, you, could you tell us more about how to approach vaccine hesitancy? How, how do you do in your practice? In my practice, I have a relatively small number of patients who chose not to be vaccinated. My approach includes engaging them and asking why they have chosen not to be vaccinated in a non-judgmental way. I acknowledge and affirm their decision, and I would ask them permission to share my knowledge and experience with them. Now, when we were providing the first and second dose of the vaccine in our office, we saw the success of this approach. When many individuals immediately chose to get their vaccine, 
Those that did not choose to get their vaccine were encouraged to think about it further and often did come back for vaccination. So that's very good advice. Um, could you, could you, Anita, please discuss further strategies on how to, to start the conversation, how to, to guide the conversation around the COVID-19 booster vaccination? So, so with boosters, as it was for the original uh, primary series, the approach is similar. I would also discuss that the vaccine seemed to provide three to six months of efficacy before the immunity wanes, and that's why boosters were very important. Okay, th thanks. So, so if, if I, I could try to summarize uh, what you said. So it's, you, you take the time to learn about uh, your patient's particular concerns about the COVID vaccines uh, so, so that you can lead a better uh, conversation. And you, you, you try to, to use your status as a trusted, uh, trusted healthcare advisor. Uh, it could make the difference with uh, vaccine-hesitant uh, patients. And for patients who have not had COVID-19 affect them or their uh, family, their social groups, it can be difficult to understand the severity of the disease uh, and the toll it has taken. So taking the time to explain your perspective as a healthcare professional, the patients you've seen, uh, the patients uh, sometimes you've lost, uh, can help shed light on what might be the hidden uh, effects uh, of COVID-19 in the community. So thank you for watching. Uh, we hope that you found this activity useful and that it will uh, help you in your medical practice. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.